Open the laptop to type. I put my name into Skype. Some blog we're going to hype. And now they're on the pod. We're talking football and things happening in wrestling rings. But you just asked which one thinks you're listening to the pod. Don't tell your parents. Vandenberg killed the Barons. Is it time to fire Ferentz? Ask a scout.com at baby. You're listening to a sonic bomb blast of stats and dick jokes. Black Heart Gold Podcast. Totally amateurish. Not even broadcast. Sometimes in Spanish. Black Heart Gold Podcast. You hear the ice cubes in our rocks glass. We don't even edit. Black Heart Gold Podcast. There aren't that many words that rhyme with podcast. Let's start the interview. Black Heart Gold Podcast. Black Heart Gold Podcast, episode 92. Welcome to Sparty Week. Uh, the uh, annual game between two coaches who I don't think like each other very much anymore. Uh, Pat Vint, joined by Ross WB. Ross, you ready to get your Sparty hate on? I hate them so damn much. Really? Not really. Yeah, no, they're just they're, they're Michigan State. Um, but we are joined by uh, the only colors managing editor, Chris Vanini. Uh, Chris has been kind enough to uh, put aside his animosity toward all things Iowa for 20, 25 minutes to uh, discuss the game with us. Uh, Chris is also uh, on cough syrup, so his uh, alcohol is better than ours. Um, Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good. I was going to say, you, you might be the only person who actually hates Michigan State. We always want somebody to hate us. I really don't. I, I'm okay with them. I just the last couple of years have been very interesting little mind game things between yeah. Barrons and D'Antonio, yeah. and, and I just find the whole game fascinating, even though both games have been blowouts. Um, uh, I, let's just start right there. Iowa fans have their own set of theories on on why this relationship between those two coaches went sour. Uh, is there anything floating around the Michigan State? Uh, message boards or blogosphere or, or fans about uh, about why D'Antonio and, and Ferent seem to not care for each other too much anymore. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know. I mean, when when D'Antonio came to MSU uh, in in late '06, uh, early '07, he he wanted to build a program similar to Iowa, and he's he's said as much since then. He's wanted to build it modeling after. Wisconsin and Iowa, you know, big, strong in the trenches, run the ball, good defense. And uh, um, I, I I haven't heard anything one way toward Iowa or Kirk Parents really. I mean, I, I know a lot of fans will just kind of put the 9 game kind of in the back of their mind and back and never think about it or talk about it ever again. Uh, I know that's <laughs> I know that's not the I know that's not the same. Um, I, we talk about it a lot. I, 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 talk, I remember I talked to one of you guys in the preseason Q and A about uh, that whole Jarrell Worthy thing last year, and that was the first time I really noticed that there was there was anything going on other than what happened on the field. Uh, it seems to have escalated since then, and I was never really totally sure why. I it seems like the programs, or at least on this end, seem to respect each other. But uh, I know last year's game might have changed things a little bit. I think last year's game did it. I think the, the 2010 game, there was something weird going on there because Ferris was doing very unfairancy things like calling timeouts while Michigan Oh, State yeah. See, that, see that's the game I put in the back and never think about again, so I totally yeah. forgot about that. I, I remember – I don't remember much about that game, but now that you bring that up, I do remember that. 
they ran like a trick play in the second half when they were up. There were some things that, that Kirk did that Kirk doesn't normally do, and that was my first sign that there was something big going on there. And, and last year, I think D'Antonio kind of gave him a bit of his own medicine, uh, you know, running a fake field goal in the second half when they were already up by three or four yeah. touchdowns, things like that. So uh, it's interesting because uh, you're right. Both programs seem to be – incredibly similar and maybe that's that's part of the reason why maybe they're you know it's recruiting and things like that 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 they're both playing against each other but um there's some there's some animosity there and it makes this one a little bit more fun it's yeah, a the too only, bad, yeah it's too bad no, Gerald, where they too bad Gerald, where they went to the nfl so he can't uh you guys can't <laughs> have some more fun with that one yeah yeah and so the only other coaches i've really seen ferentz kind of be that dickish to was uh tim brewster and ron zook spring to mind <laughs> it's not a good company to be in, but Antonio doesn't doesn't really fit the you know buffoonishness of them. Obviously, he's he's far more competent. So right, I always I always thought that the the thing with Brewster and with with Zook was far more about them being bozos. Yeah, <laughs> like he was just like you're you're buffoons. I'm going to show that you are buffoons. You are an in uh, the coaching profession. But that's certainly not what they think of Antonio, and, and the record proves that. Um, Sparty was supposed to stop. Sparty was supposed to have a uh, a big year, uh, kind of a rough start, three and two, couple uh, losses at home. Um, obviously, the big question has been the passing game and quarterback Andrew Maxwell. What's the what's the book here? What what's the problem with with the new uh, signal caller? Well, well, pretty much everything that was feared at the beginning of the year ended up coming true. Um, First half of the first game, Maxwell throws three interceptions, and everybody's freaking out against Boise State. But Maxwell has definitely settled down. Then the the, the biggest problem has been something that I all all the focus was on Maxwell replacing Kirk Cousins, but but um I think uh, the biggest the biggest problem that kind of we didn't really think about was the receivers. You're replacing Keith Nickel and B.J. Cunningham and Keyshawn Martin. We kind of figured we would just be able to plug guys in there because MCs usually had some pretty good receivers. But over the last, pretty much ever since the Notre Dame game, they've been averaging like five, six drops a game, and it's just been killing so many drives. And uh, they they seem to have finally found a reliable guy uh, in Aaron Burbridge, a true freshman um Last year, uh, a true freshman who had a big game against Indiana, eight catches, 130 yards. Uh, he missed the beginning of camp due to an injury. But uh, other than that, Deion Sims, the tight end, has been pretty good, but he's out for this game. Um, and yeah. so, I don't know. Maxwell's gotten better as it's gone along. He's making better reads, better throws. and uh, But the receivers, that's kind of where the big problem is. And if they can just start catching the balls, then then we'll see where things go. But until then, they gotta just do the simple things. So, when did you know Le'Veon Bell was gonna be this good? Well, well, pretty much his freshman year, honestly. Um, the first game of the year, I think it was against Western Michigan. I remember he he took a, a, a handoff or a toss to the right side, and just watching him follow his blockers to like a big fifty, sixty yard run really stuck out because you normally don't see a freshman read the block so well like that. And he, he, he's had to compete for playing time with Edwin Baker and Larry Caper over the last few years. But, um, especially last, toward the second half of last year, you could tell that this guy was going to break out. And that's part of the reason that Edwin Baker left early for the NFL draft was because it was kind of like a John Clay, Monty Ball situation where he was going to get jumped even, uh, by an underclassman. 
And, uh, I mean, this year, nothing, it hasn't surprised me at all what he's done because, uh, his, he's got great vision and balance. Um, the biggest, the biggest problem the last few weeks has been the offensive line, which, uh, he's, he's not a, Bell's not a, he's not a speed guy who's going to be able to hit a hole if you run it up the gut. He's much better off tackle, uh, following a block or something like that. And, um, so the offensive line was supposed to be pretty good this year, but five games into the year, their two top linemen are out for the year. So now they're back to patching things together like they seem to have to do every year. And we kind of, we kind of got a running joke. We know you guys got the, uh, the running back hating God and we, uh, we got a kind of a joke on our site that he's got a brother who is MSU offensive lineman because every year there's always a starter <laughs> or two who goes down for the year and every, every good, offensive line recruit that ever comes never pans out because of some crazy injury or something like that. But, um, but with Bell, I've, I've seen him projected as, uh, as sec for a second round pick by Mel Kuyper kind of surprised me because he doesn't have that elite speed to hit the hole. Um, he's much better at reading the blocks and he's, he, he he's quicker than you think for his size. And obviously the hurdling with the athletic ability, but um, he's much better uh, you know, usually on a toss player and off tackle like that, as opposed to just handing it up the gut, which is sometimes what MSU does a little bit too often in their in their play calling. Well, yeah, they can Pat, certainly take carries. Yeah, Pat yeah. dubbed him the uh, scholarship Wiseman, and you know, watching the two run, there are <laughs> there are some similarities there for sure. Yeah, well, he, so, thirty-seven carries last week. I mean, he can certainly take the beating. Well, um, that that was a question because. I don't. I don't think he ever, or maybe he did once or twice, hit 20 carries a game in his first two years because MSU was always splitting carries with guys. Um, and then that first game, he gets more than 40, 40, 50 touches. So, uh, and we we've seen this before at MSU with Javon Ringer in 08 um, was getting 30, 40 carries a game, and he wore down by the end of the year. Um, so that that is a worry right now uh, Isn't- amongst MSU fans. Isn't Caper still there? Is he just He's the, he I I don't I don't know what's up what's up with him. A lot of people were expecting him to 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 get a little bit more carries on. He he was the leading rusher as a freshman, but uh since then he'd been passed by Baker and Bell and, and now that he's back in the number two spot, there hasn't he hasn't gotten many carries and not sure if it's picking up blitzes or not or or what it is. But part of the reason's been because Le'Veon Bell is often really hot and they like to give it to the hot back. But um, you might see this Saturday. MSU has been running a, a package where they have Bell and Caper lined up in the backfield. And sometimes they have Caper lined up as the fullback, um, but uh, hasn't worked for any big gains or anything. So don't know how, how that, if that's going to continue or whatnot, but that's something they've tried. I guess you can, you can pick out a workhorse back when the, the numbers are, the rushing leader has 37 carries for 125, and the team's second leading rusher has five carries for negative one. Yeah, <laughs> that's one man and one man alone. Yeah. Um, what? Obviously, the story with with Sparty going into this year was the defense, um, and they've they played extremely well right up until last week, and then Indiana put more points on them in a quarter than anybody had put on them in a full game. What did Indiana do that that gave uh, the Michigan State defense so much trouble? Well, the biggest thing was Kevin Wilson was just calling screen pass after screen pass, and MSU's defense is really aggressive. 
and they often over pursue. So misdirections and delays and stuff like that um, is usually the best way to get them. Um, last year, um, Michigan fans were really upset that they didn't call more bubble screens because MSU was just blitzing up the gut every time. But Indiana was going screen after screen, and MSU was just co- caught completely off guard, over pursuing, and and then they they respond with the screen with a with a pass up top. And uh, but a- after the first three drives, when Indiana went up seventeen nothing, the D- they they made adjustments. They only gave up a hundred yards after the first quarter and only 30, right. and only 37 yards in the second half. So they didn't, they made the adjustments there, which you got to give them credit for, but they, they did, they didn't come ready to play at the beginning and maybe Indiana, but Kevin Wilson knows how to coach a passing game and, and completely burn them. And it almost cost them. Was there any issue with, with conditioning with the no huddle or was it simply just that, that the pursuit was killing them? I, I mean, I, I think it did catch him off guard. Um, I, I don't, I don't know if it was because they just maybe weren't ready. I'm sure they, I'm sure they prepared for it. I'm just wondering if maybe it was faster than they expected. I think it definitely did catch them off guard because they, they're, they're very emotional guys and they get really up when there's a big play and they get really down when there's a down play. And I'm, I, just my opinion, I'm wondering if they seem to sulk a little bit and then get caught again time after time at the beginning there. Luckily, our coach hates the no huddle, so don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the hope. Yeah. yeah, Kirk came out on Tuesday and basically said, congratulations to Indiana, but we won't do anything that they do. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sure next We're day. not going to do anything that gave Michigan State trouble last week. Not, not our yeah. style. No. Um, obviously, Golston is the, the focal point there, but who else should we be watching for um, out of that defense? Well, Max Bull, uh, linebacker Max Bull has been the the main guy um, in in the middle. He's he's a he's a team captain. He's a, he's a second year starter, and I believe he leads the team in tackles. And uh, Golston hasn't had a, a very good year uh so far for for various reasons a lot of people just want to simply say oh he read the press clippings and i was not trying hard i think i think it's more than that i think teams are are gunning for him a little bit more uh opposing offenses are getting rid of the ball quicker because they know mcu's pass rush is coming mcu's right near the bottom of the conference in sacks but they're the top in total defense by like 50 yards so well, the sack numbers haven't been great, but it's pretty clear that that it's been that it's gotten teams off their game. Um, on the other end is Marcus Rush, who, in my opinion, maybe has had a better year than Golston as a as a sophomore. And uh, the biggest problem has been the inside rush. They lost Worthy to the NFL, and uh, another senior started next to him. They haven't gotten the push in the middle and it's put more pressure on the end. And that's another reason why the sack numbers haven't been that good. Um, in the secondary, Johnny Adams is, is, is another guy who a lot of people want to say he was reading the press clippings. He's been getting beat for a deep ball or two every game and his draft stocks plummeting um, as the senior. But part of that is because MSU's defensive style puts the cornerbacks on an Island because it's, it's about, blitzing and pressure so you don't need much safety right. help there and the, the rush hasn't always got there so he's been getting beat uh deep a couple times uh Boise State kept going after Darquez Denard deep uh only got beat maybe a time or two but um I mean a lot, a lot of people are 
a little bit down on the defense, especially after last week, because uh, I, I don't really know why. They don't have the turnovers that they had last year, and they don't have the sacks last year, which are always the numbers people, you know, the numbers that stick out for something that's big deal. But they're still, I believe, top ten in the nation in total defense, number one in the Big Ten, number one in the Big Ten in rush defense. So maybe expectations were completely through the roof and they haven't gotten there. This is still obviously a really good defense. And part of the part of the thing is they've been trailing for of the last four games, two hundred and forty uh minutes of play, they've been trailing for hundred and eighty minutes. They get down right they get down right off the bat and the defense is always under pressure to not go down by more than a single score because then it seems like it's an insurmountable deficit. Last last week was the first time they'd been down by more than two scores. Um but they were able to to come back, obviously. But so I don't know. It's been pretty. They they probably haven't met expectations, but those expectations are pretty darn high. Well, you mentioned that they've been they've been you know played from behind for quite a bit of it. None of those minutes were against Central Michigan, were they? Uh, no, they were, <laughs> they uh they went down within five minutes to Notre Dame. Uh, then they gave up. They gave up a touchdown on the first drive to Ohio State and then to Indiana. And most of those minutes that they've been lead, like most of the minutes they've been leading, have been against Eastern Michigan. So, I mean, it's a a weird stat that I don't think maybe gets enough talk that they're always trailing and that they're always feeling the pressure that they can't give up another score, uh, especially with the way the offense has been playing. Now, the uh, the other thing that, that struck me looking at Sparty is, yes, they've had two losses. Both of them have been at home. And usually one of the things that you always expect from Michigan State is that they're going to be, you know, really difficult to beat in East Lansing. If they're going to drop one, it's going to probably be on the road. Is there is it just because the young quarterback, or is there any particular reason why why uh, they've had so much trouble playing at home, or is it just coincidence? I mean, I, I think it's because, I mean, the two teams they, they lost to are – they're really top good teams. 10 teams and, and <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was shocking after it was it was really shocking for Notre Dame because that broke a 15 game home winning streak and that loss and the way Notre Dame just suffocated everything that that was a game that MSU had lost his right tackle like the day before and <clears throat> and Notre Dame's front seven they run a three four Notre Dame's front seven just blew up MSU's yeah. offensive line all yeah. game long. But yeah, the, they were able to rush three and get pressure, and Andrew Maxwell just couldn't do anything. And when he was able to get a throw off, uh, they dropped the ball. MSU's offense could do nothing. They they were down the whole time, and Notre Dame just suffocated. They just suffocated the energy out of that stadium in the second half. Um, and uh, that that was the first time that it, it, it worried people because we didn't actually know how good Notre Dame was at the time. I think now we've seen that they're actually a pretty good team. And with Ohio State, one-point loss, I mean, MSU had more scoring drives than Ohio State, just uh, couldn't make a, couldn't make a, couldn't make a play uh, at the end when they needed it. Um, they had a fumble that might have been returned for a touchdown late in the game that was blown dead. Um, I, I, I think it's part of, I think part of it is being a young team. Um, the, the losses look bad, but those might be the two best teams they play uh, all season. But certainly the, the aura of playing at home. They, the players used to call it the woodshed, but uh, I don't know if that nickname is very deserving uh, anymore, or at least this season. 
So I was going to say, do you have uh, is there any risk of Michigan State looking ahead because you got the big game with Michigan next week, right? Well, yeah, I look. I looked up. MSU is two and three the week before the Michigan game, but last week that or last year they had a bye beforehand. So I don't know about looking ahead. I, I, I they may come out flat just because they always come out flat um, under D'Antonio. The first quarter is always their worst quarter. Um, <clears throat> this year they've been outscored by 14 in the first quarter, but they've outscored their opponents in the other three. I, I don't know if they're I, – I think the Indiana game maybe made them, just my opinion, maybe made them realize um, – that they had you have especially in the Big Ten, you have to take every game one at a time because you're not really much better than the other team. Any nobody's really much better than anybody here. Um, so if that's the case, I, I don't expect them to overlook them. But they, I don't. They might not play well. I don't know. I'm, it's not like I'm making excuses here. I really don't know what to expect at all from this team anymore. Pretty much. <laughs> we know the feeling. It's okay. Um, you, you mentioned before, but I, I wanted to get your, your opinion a little bit further on it. Deion Sims, who's the leading receiver for the team, um, missed last week, out this week, at least reportedly out this week. Um, I never put it by Antonio to have him show up, but um, uh, what kind of effect will they have? Is there anybody at, at tight end who could step in and, and take over? Well, they're pro- probably their number two guy also just broke his wrist, so he'll be playing with a cast. So don't be expecting many don't be expecting many passes to the tight ends. <clears throat> and also, I mentioned all the drops, and that that gets things a little bit worried about the passing game this weekend because they finally showed some against Indiana. Um, but again, it's Indiana, so we don't know. Um, but Aaron Burbridge, I mentioned, he, the freshman had a big game. Um, looks like he's now the number one guy moving forward and he he's the only guy who seems reliable enough to catch passes that will hit him in the hands um but yeah uh i wouldn't i would not worry about the tight end position very much this week you'd mentioned that uh michigan state's been especially good against the run so far this year um has there been anybody who's been successful at running the ball against them and if so what was what was their mo what did they do that Someone else hasn't been able to. Well, do. it was it was Braxton Miller running the read, and I don't think James Vandenberg is going to do that very much. You'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, um, and <clears throat> that Ohio State game was really surprising that that Miller beat them with the read because they've usually been really good against running quarterbacks, um, but they did not do a good job of containing him, and he was able to bounce every run to the outside, and he's a little bit different a different runner than Denard Robinson, who's kind of a speed guy. Miller's a lot more shifty, and I think that caught them off guard. Um, obviously, I don't think Wiseman – is it Wiseman? Weissman's very uh, very, very shifty. So it's going to be good old-fashioned man ball this weekend, and we'll see uh, We'll see who who's there at the end. Well, it looks to be one of those games where the uh... – the worst of both teams is up against the best of both teams. Uh, looking at the Big Ten stats, Iowa, 10th in scoring offense, third in scoring defense. Michigan State, 11th in scoring offense, first in scoring defense. Um, it's clearly going to be low scoring or a, or just a complete barn burner that no one possibly saw coming. I keep thinking that every week, and I, 
I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I just don't think there's enough talent for him to be a barn winner. <laughs> <laughs> what do you What do you see happening this week? Where, where do you see the final score? I being? went with seventeen ten. Um, I think both running games are going to kind of be held in check, and it's it's going to be who can make a few more plays in the passing game, just maybe a couple big plays, and, and along with turnovers. And since that three interception game or three interception first half against Boise, Maxwell hasn't thrown a pick. Um, he hasn't really come very close. He's been making really good reads and not making stupid passes. That was the one thing that Kirk Cousins uh, did too much was try to force a throw or two, and Maxwell hasn't done that. Um, I don't know if there's going to be many big passing plays, but maybe a, maybe a, a turnover in your own territory might be the difference. Uh, but, yeah, I'm going with 17-10. Uh, MSU. All right. Well, you heard it there first. Um, we wanted to uh, uh, once again thank Chris for joining us tonight for the, uh, the BHGP podcast. Remind everybody that you can catch Chris and all of his band of cohorts over at the Only Colors. Uh, Chris, we wish you the absolute worst of luck, and uh, we'll see you Saturday. All right. Take it easy, guys. <laughs>